Well, when we began this series on Shiro's, Pastor Greg reiterated to us how important the voices of all people are, including women. And so it's no wonder it makes complete sense then that today we are looking at Phoebe. And in the Bible, Phoebe is the only woman who is referred to as a deacon. The word that is used here in the Greek is diakonos, and this word, while it can be translated as deacon, can also be translated as minister. This is actually the same word that Paul uses when he refers to himself and what he does in the world, and he uses it when he refers to Timothy, who is kind of his right-hand man. So when we hear that Phoebe is referred to as a deacon, we know then that she has an important role in teaching others about the salvation of Jesus Christ, which we also remember that during that time, this teaching was a brand new thing. We hear a little bit about the situation that's happening in the Roman church in verses 17 through 19 of what we heard Wes read for us this morning. And in those verses, Paul is urging the Roman church to stay true to the true gospel, that they should stand strong in what they have been taught by Paul and those whom he has sent to them, including Phoebe, because there are others who have been preaching something opposite. They've been bringing a false gospel, and they're dividing the people needlessly. I think it's interesting that the way he describes these people could very well be a description of some instances in our world today. He says that these people do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites, and that by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of others. So the work then that Phoebe was doing as she ministered to those around her was bringing people back to that true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, unfortunately for us, this reference to Phoebe in Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, is the only reference that we have to her in all of Scripture. So we don't get to learn a whole lot about her and the life that she lived. However, because she was a woman living in this time period, we can infer a lot about what her life on a daily basis might have looked like. We know then that she was probably doing a lot of cooking for herself and for her family, and certainly for others as well, as hospitality was a huge thing for this time period. We know too that she was probably out shopping on a daily basis, trading in the marketplace, she was probably keeping her home clean and ready and also probably taking care of a family. But while she was doing all of those other things, we also know that she was standing with others in their times of sorrow, that she was reminding them in these times how God is with them and how God gives us strength. She was teaching people what it meant to be saved by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and how that changed people's everyday lives. She was no doubt essential to Paul's ministry and really to Christianity as a whole. Now we know it may not have any heroic deeds that were attributed to her, but we do know that she is still a hero of our faith 
because it is through her life that we learn we can minister, we can teach about God's great love and make a difference in this world even while we're living lives that we think are plain and ordinary. Another woman who teaches us this is Harriet Beecher Stowe, and many of us probably know her mostly as the author of Uncle Tom's Cabin. But there was much more to her life, of course, than just that one book that she wrote. She was the daughter of a Calvinist preacher, and her mother died when she was young. So at age five, she was sent away to Hartford Female Seminary, which is a school that one of her sisters had founded. And this time was very much still a time when women were uneducated. So the fact that she was receiving this world-class education was quite an amazing feat. She excelled there. By the age of 16, she was proficient in all languages, Latin, Greek, French, and Italian. And she also excelled in all those core pieces of education that we think of, like math and science, geography, history, and of course, writing. So this education, she felt very proud of, and she held it as esteemed in her life. This was a huge achievement. But even though she had that amazing high, she also went through lows. She went through many struggles throughout her life as well. As I said, her mother had died when she was young. She had two of her own sons that suffered and then died from cholera. And she had a brother who ended his own life by suicide. During these times, we know that her faith wavered. She struggled with what it was that she believed and even in believing that there was a God who loved her. She had been taught from her father at a young age that God was angry and that God demanded perfection to the law. And if you didn't have that perfection to the law, you risked eternal damnation. But even with that as her background, as she was going through these life experiences, she longed for a God who would love her. She longed for a God who would comfort her, bring her hope for a bright future, who would be with her in her grief and lead out of love rather than punishment. We know that she eventually did find this God, but the struggles that she went through coming to realize it were impactful on her entire life. The books that she wrote carried statements and questions about human rights and about freedom, but they also carried much deeper questions about love and faith and hope and suffering and salvation. Her writings had, of course, a huge impact on American history as she took on justice issues that were happening all around her. But even though we have these amazing writings, we know that she struggled just as we do. She struggled through a very ordinary life. She asked questions as we do, and she sought to understand God. These two women then, Phoebe and Harriet Beecher Stowe, teach us what it is to have an extraordinary faith through their ordinary lives. 
They were able to minister to those around them because they were living just as they lived, just like we do today. I'd say it's true, of course, that we ask questions about our faith too, right? And we ask questions about our everyday lives and we wonder if it is possible for us to live out our faith on a daily basis. Of course, we believe deeply and we have true hope in God's promises of forgiveness and resurrection. But we also look at the world around us and we know that the lives that we live from day to day look a lot like the lives of those who live next to us and maybe have not the same faith as we do. So what does this mean? When we are rushing around to get to our next appointment or we're brushing our teeth or maybe we're cleaning our homes, in those times, we're not usually thinking deeply about our faith or about what we believe, and that's completely normal. But we've somehow tricked ourselves into thinking that in order to make a difference in the world, to truly be living out our faith so loudly that we make a difference, we somehow should be thinking about our faith constantly. But that's just not the way it is. And so when we realize that we don't do that, we wonder if little old me could ever actually change the world because of my faith. But these women teach us that we can. These women show us that the way that we live in this world, whether we're doing really ordinary things or not, if we're making breakfast or shopping or cleaning, any of those things is an act of faith. And they teach us that we don't have to remove ourselves from our culture, from our society, in order to show others our faith. In fact, if we were to do so, it'd be the opposite of what God asks us to do, because when we remove ourselves, we end up becoming apathetic and complacent to the world around us. And our faith should be spurring us to respond to this world, not to ignore it. We watch a lot of shows about animals at my house, and so there's this idea with animals of being imprinted that has always intrigued me. See, scientists talk about animals being imprinted to human beings because when we take them from their homes as children, as babies, they end up relying on humans for everything, for their safety and their exercise and for their food. But it makes me wonder what it is that we are imprinted to. What is it in our lives that we have allowed to dictate who we are and how we do things every single day? Because maybe one of the things that these women teach us is that we ought to be allowing our faith to be that which imprints us, that dictates us and our actions out in the world. Most of us probably are more imprinted on a daily basis to things like technology or a constant news stream. Or maybe it's the overflowing schedule we think we need or money. It could be all sorts of things. But these two women use their faith to lead them out into the world. That is what 
was imprinted for them. It was God's love for them and the love that they were to show others. That is what transformed them. We too, if we allow ourselves to be imprinted by our faith, then our faith will seep into everything we do, no matter how ordinary it may seem. The end of our reading from today was the doxology, the very last piece of Paul's letter to the Romans. It's a blessing of sorts. And in it, he wrote, to God, who is able to strengthen you according to the gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ. To God be the glory forever. May everything we do glorify God. May everything we do be a transformation of our faith through God's love. And may it be known to this world in all of the regular, everyday, ordinary things we do. Thanks be to God. Amen.